Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. All right, welcome everyone to another Twitter Spaces session by Outer Edge LA and how. Hope everyone is going, doing okay. It's another Thursday, another Twitter space, another amazing conversation on Web3, amazing topics. All right, my name is Daniel F. I have the pleasure of being joined today by my usual anchor, Zach Zager, co-founder of NFTLA. How you doing? Doing great. All right. Another lovely day. It's already Thursday. We're talking about games. I know. Do you know what's funny about this? After, Right after this three space, I'm going to sit and enjoy a little session of gaming myself. So the perfect preamp for my lovely evening today. But anyway, all right. Alongside Stack Seeker, we do have some amazing guests as well. Let's give a warm welcome to Carlo from Brawler Bears. How are you doing? How's everyone doing today? Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk. Doing a little level up on gaming, especially when it comes to the blockchain. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. All right. Amazing. Um, now, I thought we had some other people from How here. I think I saw Jake's word, just Twitter being Twitter. All right. But let's kick off the conversation right now. And let's start talking about the future and how these two topics can intersect. Let's start by talking and discussing how Web3 is changing the landscape of gaming. So I think there's a lot of things going on in this topic in particular. I want to kick it over to you, Carlo, and see what you think about this, how you think the future looks like. Yeah, no, it's a really great question. I think we're only just scratching the to be honest, we're seeing so many projects starting to explore the possibilities of what it means to utilize blockchain for on-chain gaming or just in terms of decentralization of gaming assets, right? We got to talk about what are the advantages of doing this? But we have a long road ahead of us in terms of reaching out to traditional gamers to introduce them to the benefits of utilizing blockchain for gaming activities. It's going to be an uphill battle, I, I really think. But 
for right now, what's exciting for me is the pioneering that's happening right now across very many, so many projects, ourselves included. We've just starting to explore what's possible. And Scott Mitchell is the dev and founder of Brawler Bears, and he's joined us here today too. And he's been doing coding for a very long time. And I think that for him, and I'll let him speak to it himself, but utilizing blockchain for even what we're doing with passive gaming is just, it's really exciting to see. And especially when people start utilizing and realizing the advantages of what it means to have things on chain, the customer personalization and customizations that you can do, and just having ownership over your evolvable character, your base character, and all the in-game assets that you've earned from playing within whatever ecosystem you're playing. I'm really excited. I just think we're just scratching the surface, though. I think we're just right here at the forefront of what's to come. And these space who are building are really just laying the groundwork for what's to come. Definitely agree with you on everything that you just said. And I want to use that as a cue to introduce two more people here on stage. We have Ivan, he's CEO and co-founder to HAL. And we have Jake, who is marketing director to HAL. Let's start with you, Ivan. How are you doing? Hey, everyone. I'm doing well. Glad I could join the space, mostly because my flight has been endlessly delayed. I'm in transit, but I wanted to be here even if only for a little bit and get a chance to hear Carlos speak. Let's do it. Also, I couldn't miss out on talking about video games and NFTs. Definitely. I know we are one of a kind, right? And I know Jake also couldn't miss a good video game talk. How are you doing, Jake? I'm good. I'm always up for a video game topic. And then you add Web3 to the mix and I will be there. I'm curious about how you all came about approaching the gameplay functionality because we've seen some sort of backlash for Web3 gaming. It doesn't always have the best taste in everyone's mouth. And how did you approach how to make the game and how to make it an enjoyable experience that leads to that generational gaming? Yeah, for sure. Hey, Scott, do you want to chime in on this too? Because I know that you've put a lot of thought into this as from a dad side of things and not having a lot of time and taking this kind of card-based, wow, RuneScape approach to the whole gaming ecosystem. Yeah. And hey, everyone, I'm Scott. Nice to meet everyone here. Definitely excited to see how we can talk about games in Web3. Yeah, Carlos Point, I am a dad. I don't have much time. I still get some time to play some FPS games like Valorant. But for me, it's all about casual gaming. And then being in my middle 30s, there's a lot of nostalgia with kind of like retro games and click and play adventure games, say on SES or just just that retro theme. Brawler Bears spurred out of that, a combination of that, and then leveraging and utilizing the core tenets of blockchain, which are longevity, the permanence, provenance, identity, ownership, all these core tenets that we are here on the blockchain for. We try to incorporate all of these aspects into our game. Now, I think some of the biggest backlash with Web 2 world and Web 3 is the Web 2 world sees us as a scam. And there are unfortunately a lot of scammers and a lot of opportunists out there. We have to, in our position as like on the gaming forefront. Now we're not a AAA studio. We're not backed by a studio, but a lot of the concepts and technology that we've built could certainly be leveraged in a AAA game. Our dynamic composable NFTs offer that customization. And I think that every game will probably have in the future. And while we don't care too much about the graphics on our side, for us, it's definitely more on the strategic side. And it's more casual gameplay. We are coming out with a roguelike card game in our phase two, Lost Slay the Spire. 
you guys are familiar with that or Monster Train or there's a bunch of games in this class, but that's where our ecosystem is heading. So we have the NFT that represents your core asset. We have this item economy that has spurred very RuneScape WorldCraft WoW-esque. But yeah, we're going to incorporate all that and put it into a like card game in our future. Web-based though, for now, as we're mostly web developed. I'm a web developer. I have 15 years of experience, a principal engineer at PayPal previously, been in Web3 for five years, building on ETH. But yeah, web-based, maybe we go down the Unity track eventually. But for now, we're sticking to a, a kind of a wheelhouse of ours that we can pivot quickly. Amazing. Amazing. It all sounds so good. And you touched base in a lot of very interesting points. I want to go back a little bit and talk about dynamic NFTs and how they can revolutionize in-game assets as we know it. And so I know Ivan has some very good topics or, or points of view. Ivan, if you are available and actually can elaborate a little bit more, I know you have some good insight on that. Yeah, I think for the most part, some of the stuff that I'm going to bring up is nothing that we haven't heard before, but if for those of us, those in the audience that maybe are not that familiar with games, especially in the past few years, there's been a lot of economy that's been created around individuals buying in-game assets, whether to upgrade your avatar character you're using or simply enhance your experience. And obviously, because these are on closed end-to-end systems, you can't really do much with them after you've paid the cash. So there's no way to monetize and often not even a way to resell it. Some individuals, like admittedly, like I played some World of Warcraft and you can sell things off on the internet, but not as common. And I think the biggest part of it is we create these gamer tags and we play online and essentially we're building this huge social or digital identity, but it doesn't really track our footprints as well as it should. So to me, one thing that I think I'm very excited about is this idea that you'll be able to start creating a digital identity across every game and platform you create. So you can start picking up all these social data points about who you are and the experiences that you have in the game themselves be altered by this or experienced by this. That to me is something that's really fucking interesting. And at the end of the day, I think we're all headed towards this world in which we're already seeing ourselves. And I think we're going to be able to view ourselves as we can have one life that's not IRL and one, one that isn't. I might have my own digital identity, or I'm going to call it self-sovereign identity, that lives in all these virtual worlds. And at the end of the day, they're all video games, right? This industry is bigger than the film industry at this point. And I think it's only going to keep expanding. And hopefully we're going to see a lot more cross-platform compatibility or cross your fingers, I'm going to call it cross-chain compatibility against games built, being built on top of the blockchain. That will be really dope to see cross-chain compatibility. But I actually do have one question. When you were talking, this is a general question for everyone on stage. When you were talking about like how games should be let's say, treated in the future and all the on-chain traceability, guys here, how much have we spent in the last year on video games, whether buying video games or spending on add-ons or spending on weapons and all that good stuff. I myself lost track, <laughs> to be honest. I really yeah, hope my wife is not listening to this space, but I spent some good amount of money and I really would like to see that evolve. Ivan, you were going to say, sorry. Oh, I was going to say there is no way I am giving away that number on this space. It's embarrassing enough to myself. How about you, Carlo? Here, I'll give away the number where I lost track, about 10K. <laughs> yeah, but that's the benefits, right? How do we talk about the benefits of blockchain technology? And this is what was like for us at Brawler Bears was so important to put a proof of concept out there that is now out on the blockchain and people are utilizing. It is 
that same thing that Ivan mentioned. You spend so much time evolving a character, training it, increasing its stats. You've got, earned all these in-item assets, whether it's weapons, armor, helmets, things like that. And you can't do anything with that. What we, what Scott has built here with Brawler Bears is exactly a solution for this, right? You have your base character that is evolving. You can train it. You can battle it. You can send it on quests to get items. Those items are NFTs that you can then sell on the secondary market or equip onto your bear. That's the composability aspect of it. These are dynamic NFTs. They're composable. They are your gaming asset and you have complete ownership over it. If you're tired of playing the game, you can sell it on secondary equipped. And if someone buys it, they can leave it equipped or they can decompose it and take those items off the base NFT and turn those back into ERC 1155s and piece it out on the secondary as all those additional items, especially if they're legendaries. This is what has been built already and is out there and people are in our community are interacting with this. It has an emerging item economy that has emerged earlier this year where we're seeing legendary items that have been earned through questing go for two, three, three times the cost of the base NFT character. That is the benefit. That is the where we're leading to. And being able to be right there on the front line of that is very exciting for me. And being able to support Scott in this is the reason why I'm here. And especially having spent so much money on in-game buys and things like that, I'm more than happy to explore an ecosystem and a technology that allows for that item economy or that way to pull benefit out of the game without having to sell out of the game. Definitely agree with you. Before I shift the conversation a little bit and go back just a tiny bit, Zach, Jake, do you have anything you would like to say? Maybe interfere, maybe ask, whatever. Yeah, I really like both of these last two items. Ivan was bringing up sort of persistence of digital identity. I think that's particularly interesting because it can, it seems more feasible to be implemented quickly and begin this kind of journey where somebody gamer tag, for example, maybe it's like their ENS or something equivalent to that. And it does start to be built and can be thought of as fairly permanent and persistent across the journey that they want to create and show publicly. And then obviously, anytime we're talking about Ethereum, it's a cliche now to even talk about how Vitalik tells the story of a large motivation for creating it was just what we were talking about items and characters being stuck in this walled garden rather than being transferable and useful over time. So this is why gaming still seems like one of the definite use cases and areas where there's going to be true new economies that are much more exciting in token and Web3 sense than they ever were before because eventually people stop caring about your Warcraft gold. But we've got these transferable items and tokens that exist in really immutable fashion, but also in extensible across growing ecosystems that can become exponentially more complex and interesting over time. Yeah. Gaming to lead the way in tech. Yeah, definitely agree. Now, I want to zoom out a little bit and go to, let's say, the first value at the blockchain in general can add to gaming. And I believe that might be player ownership. At this moment, Carlo is almost bankrupt because he has spent 10,000K in, in the last year on video games. And there's no way that you can demonstrate that those NK that you have spent on in-game assets or games are yours, right? If tomorrow there is a bug and something ridiculous happens, all of the assets that you have in-game might be at risk. And so I want to circle back on this ownership element and hear your thoughts. 
I'm only going to add, you could also have all those assets. For example, I'm going to go back to World of Warcraft. I'm a big fucking nerd, but if you get your account hacked, someone could literally just run away with the bank, pretty much everything you have in there. We haven't touched on security. We don't need to go down that vertical right now, but I think it's definitely something we could at least touch on before we wrap because security is a major component of this. Definitely agree. Totally right on that. Let's put a pin on that because I really, that's something else. That's part of things that I have planned for this sort of space, but let's just not go down that route, as you said, yet. And let's go with you, Carlo. What do you think? Yeah, we've really touched on the kind of digital, the ownership aspect of it. But I think there's some additional benefits here at play. And I think it's that extensibility factor that was mentioned before. We currently have 18 smart contracts that Scott has built in-house that powers this Brawler Bears ecosystem. But Scott is very forward thinking and he built in extensibility to these smart contracts. There's this possibility of decentralization of dev where someone could create an additional UI or create their own smart contract that wants to interact with the Brawler Bears contract, whether it's XP, questing, training or battling and expand the ecosystem based on anybody else's ideas. Right. We can set a role to the original smart contract after their smart contract is audited, but it creates this extensibility. It grows the gaming ecosystem. It creates interoperability where you can then potentially port characters around. That's the cool thing that I think would be fun for a lot of people in the space is like to take your base character into other games if possible. Now, there's other ways that we can work together and utilizing these assets. And the generational gaming aspect of it is also interesting to me because if you are, this is an opportunity to say, hey, maybe down the road, your child might want to play this game, especially if the space leads in the direction I think it's going to lead. There's probably going to be a lot more handing down of these gaming assets. And then they still hopefully will retain value if people are still interested in playing these games or finding new ways to interact with them. But definitely security is, is going to be a component and education is going to be a big thing that we'll have to do as being here in the space first to make sure that we educate and protect those who are coming in after us. But yeah, I think ownership is huge. If I could make back what I spent on those Web2 and Ames, I would I would jump at that. <laughs> uh, definitely. I, I'm curious, do this, I wonder anyone's thoughts on whether or not at some point we're going to call developers, let's talk about more like consoles, but imagine Sony or even Microsoft actually having or putting us in a position where let's say all of this history of purchase that we can integrate it in some way and someday monetize. I like the idea that maybe somehow I'm going to be able to even pick up that whole loot as opposed to start from zero, but I'm curious what everyone else thinks about this. Yeah, I think that's an interesting concept. Funnily enough, I don't know if it was like, I think it was like four or five months ago, there was a little hubbub around Sony's patent around NFTs. And the first thought that crossed my mind was like, imagine if every gaming console that Sony put out for a PSX or something was a node on a blockchain and their own private blockchain node. And I was like thinking to myself, like, that's like millions of consoles powering be the most decentralized network out there. Not It's not really decentralized, it's owned by Sony. It would have the most nodes out there. It would have millions of nodes and you could get paid as an end user hosting a node on the PlayStation blockchain. Who knows? Maybe that's that'll be a thing. But I think it's an interesting idea with the identity, the longevity of identity. And I like the idea of, I don't know how familiar you guys are with like account bound tokens and soul bound tokens and positive reputation systems like leveraging that technology. I think that's a very interesting aspect to that hasn't really been talked about much in gaming. I don't think not yet. I think it will come up. Yeah. Let's go down that rabbit hole. I've been doing a lot of research on soul bound tokens for the last year and a half, maybe. And it's something that really blows my mind every single time I like venture into a new rabbit hole of research. And I know, Ivan, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. What do you think of Salbone tokens and NFT-Fi 
and DeFi dynamics on the gaming industry. To be honest, a lot of what we've been discussing that can be done or is possible should or is most likely to happen through soulbound tokens. For anyone in the audience, and we can touch this on a little bit, but just these are pretty much just digital identity tokens, right? It'll represent who you are, characteristics. There's a lot of ways we can look at it. Video games is interesting because we can definitely track, and I'm going to call your avatars characteristics. We can look at the features that you might have accomplished or, sorry, accrued traits, achievements. All of that can be put into a soulbound token. And the interesting thing here is that we are also looking at a place in which, to me, that's the initiation of a digital identity. And if we look beyond and we look at the capabilities of cellbound tokens, and we really want to get crazy with this, we might even be in a world where we can leverage and monetize just not only by selling. So imagine that I have this huge history, certain level of XP, etc., and I want to get a little ahead. Sorry, and I want to make some money out of this. And I know someone who's pretty much at zero. And they want to get a little ahead. They want to leverage what I have. Imagine that I could go out and lease this out to that person. And now I'm making this passive income on pretty much the result of all the work I've put into something. I don't need to get rid of it. And it's sitting just the same way that I might donate art to a museum. Soulbound tokens would allow us to do this. And if you really want to get very crazy and look at the nature of these contracts, you might want, by the way, that's my flight, guys, I'm going to board in a minute, but you might even have the ability someday of having a few that changes with you, right? It might be able to even track things that are going on in your social network, the reactions, the way it looks, it could all vary depending on who you are. So I'm not going to give away too much, but currently we're working on building out an Oracle tool for social media and some of the data points that we're going to be accruing or able to pick up if we are, in fact, having individuals like whitelisting registered for the app itself is this. You can take the entire chain or the ETH chain, use it like a Merkle tree, look back at everything this person has done. Now, imagine what happens when you can apply that to an NFT itself with the dynamic nature of an NFT, whether it's does my avatar change as a react to me, et cetera, et cetera. I'll pause there because I can go in a circle with this, but yeah, very excited about this tech. All right. Here to see, to hear Jake's thoughts on all of this, because we've had a lot of conversations surrounding cellboat tokens in the game in general, the gaming industry and how Web3 can, can help. Jake, do you have anything you would like to add in here? Full agreement with everyone about the benefits. And I think we're speaking to a crowd that are all in agreement. I'm really curious to hear from Madroids and Bears about the language and to pick up on what was said earlier, the education involved, because there's a lot of on both of your sites use of blockchain terminology, but gaming has so many terms that are easily interoperable with terms like digital collectibles to release NFTs. What was the decision in that language? And do you see a watershed moment where you can just describe it in the same way that any AAA studio, for example, uses to describe the benefits of its own game? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think there's a couple parts to it, right? For me, we are, we're at a turning point right now where the majority of our audience are going to be Web3 native. There's not ton of influx from Web2 gaming. Right now, having that conversation directed towards educating this core community about what we're doing because we have a lot of tech, blockchain technology that's being utilized. We use an L1 to L2 registry lock staking, which takes a data copy of your Ethereum NFT and bridges it over to L2 Polygon so that we can employ a gasless ecosystem 
uh, for the gaming side of things, right? So we're utilizing a Biconomy integration and paying for all the transactions that happen on the training, questing, and battling for our community. These things are potentially new concepts to even people who are web three natives, right? So we need to have these education of our core community through YouTube videos, through in Discord help groups, and also making the core community understands the concepts through the gameplay that they can then teach and educate someone else. As we continue to move through the native Web3 space, educating people on what's possible with NFTs, with dynamic, composable, decomposable NFTs, with L1 and L2, with gasless ecosystems, then we can begin the conversation as more Web2 gamers come into this space to be able to change that and use a different vernacular, like what you're suggesting, using a different vernacular. This is your character. These are in-game assets. You know these terms. We can apply them here. The only thing is that instead of pressing A, B, start, or whatever it is that your controller you're using, maybe you're signing this transaction, or maybe you're not signing this transaction because we'll have something better in place by then. But it's going to be a long journey. But right now, let's focus on what's here and what's available and how we can educate this kind of Web3 native community that's interested in gaming and then help the new people that come in who are curious about it try to speak their language. I think you're absolutely right. We need to adopt better terminology and better vernacular when it comes to talking to traditional gamers. We've got a long ways to go, unfortunately. Let me, I want to jump in and say that I do very much agree with what you're saying, but I want to propose maybe a slightly contrarian view. When I think of Web3 Native, right, and I think this is something to outline, when I think of Web3 Native at this point, I think of the early adopters, like individuals, not to toot my own horse, such as myself, that were looking at this back in 2016 and that have spent a long amount of time not only delving into how the tech works, but also ourselves as the tech evolves. I think there's a lot of individuals that have joined the space, particularly with the advent of NFTs more recently. If you have one of those in the audience, I don't consider that Web3 native. I actually consider simply these individuals as early adopters, meaning they're Web3 users. When we look at that, I think that when we talk about vernacular, one example we talked about making the experience gasless, Carlos. Really what that means is just reducing in-game friction, right? So far as I understand, I don't have to pay within the game just to take certain actions and do things. The real translation of that is simply, this is more seamlessly like any other video game would be. I think there is a portion of this where we actually, and here's the thing, and I could be wrong about this, we have spent so much time in this industry talking about like why the tech is industry or Sorry, why the tech is interesting or why it's important or how it works. And at the end of the day, when we look at adoption, it really is just more going more gonna to be about like, why does this make my life better? So how it works or why it works, at least for the Web2 audience, I think it's something we don't really need to. I'm not even worried about Web3 people educating the Web2 audience. I think we need to just wrap it into a great little product and say, here you go, enjoy this. And if you're a gamer, most of your, like, the gameplay will be intuitive to you. And I might even argue the same for Web3 people. I'm not that concerned about us teaching them everything about how a game works. But as Carlo potentially is what you hinted at, is teaching them at least for the time being how to use what is being built because the tech is rudimentary and we're not at a place yet where we can make products in this. This is my take on it. It's not too different, but it's also just me and my my caution of we need to spend less time thinking about how we're going to educate it with two and just give them things they want to use. No, that's a really great point, Ivan. And I completely agree with you. And it, it, better UIs and better experiences and better flows and it, just building a superior product that people naturally understand is going to be key. And I'm really interested in what you're building too, because having that type of social oracle would be huge when it comes to dynamic NFTs, especially when it comes to the evolution aspect. This is something that Scott has, we've pitched around internally about how to 
potentially use real life data and create some kind of data stream for leveling up your gaming asset with IRL activities. But being able to maybe potentially do that with social too could be interesting. And you talk about soulbound token, but that's something that we also employ. We have a faction based system within our lore, which each person within our community can mint a soulbound token to their wallet to join one of the four particular factions, which gives a faction boost to one of their stats for all their bears gives them access to a Discord channel that's gated for that faction. But essentially what we're trying to do is create these mini DAOs within the community of these factions. We've set up treasury wallets for them so that they can do their own faction senator elections to decide how those treasuries will be spent and depending on their different interests, right? Just another another way that we can utilize the technology that's there to create additional experiences outside of the gaming that's really focused on the community aspect, which I think is also important. But I do see where we can take soulbound tokens, especially when it comes to achievements, especially when it comes to identity. I think, again, scratching the surface, right? There's so much more we can do and go with this. And I know I interrupted Scott. Go ahead, Scott. I forgot what I was going to say, but we are using, there's other aspects. I think maybe I wanted to recap what Jake said about terminology. Oh, no, actually, no, I remember now. I basically was going to say the best thing you can do if you're building a blockchain game is remove the blockchain. As a developer who's been building on ETH since 2016, 2017, the user experience has always been pretty crap, continues to do be that way, to be honest. And the best thing we can do as devs is remove the blockchain, actually. Yeah, remove the terminology. NFT is unnecessary terminology. Even us, we want a brand under collectible RPG or, or passive casual strategy game, something like this. We don't even need to mention NFT. We can. And Web3 Natives, okay, fine. Sure, you can call it an NFT. But at the end of the day, no one in Web2 or in, in, if I'm on Valorant and I'm on a team game on Discord and I start talking about NFTs, no one cares. <laughs> like very niche population. We, I do think we need to remove these very Web3 specific terminologies. For me as a dev, I look at the blockchain in the same light as database with no sequel and sequel and there's dogmatic viewpoints based on what side you want to take but when you get older in your career you look at these tech and you're like yeah okay i can store data here store data here store it here and each has pros and cons the blockchain to me is going to be that that's what i see as the end goal this interoperable world computer storage across everything yeah so that's what i think i think i was joking around until my the other day i don't give a shit about nfts anymore and of course that's don't take that at face value i think it's exactly what you're saying it's Look, these are, for the lack of a word, we should just be calling these digital collectibles. When you look at blockchain, honestly, all we're doing is building the, wor- the world's filing cabinet. That's the way to look at it. Definitely. And I believe we have seen good and bad examples of how we can play with the language in that regard. Good examples like what Starbucks is doing and trying to stay away with their rewards program, staying away from those technical terminologies. And bad examples is as the backlash that we see from the gaming community every single time that any gaming company or game developer company just tries to say something about NFT, even if it's just a patent or if it's they're trying to do something with decentralized storage or decentralized computing power or whatever, there's always a huge amount of backlash. And I believe that's also part because people don't understand it. But I bet you all of the money that I've spent on video games over the last year, that if we launch and if people launch a game where people can actually cash out, gamers can cash out on in-game assets, the narrative is going to be 100% different. I think going to say something. I think he's maybe getting on the plane. I was going to throw this out there, though, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts because there's like these competing things here. Let's take Riot Games, right? I buy all these Valorant skins. They're in-game. 
and every single user has to buy it. What is their incentive to actually allow peer-to-peer? Because they're make they're going to make less money. What's the incentive for these big studios that already have these large ecosystems to move to Web3? Maybe there is none. Maybe it's indie only that has to take this path. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I think I it's, a, it's a really good question. It's hard to predict what it, what it means. But yeah, there is not a really strong incentive right now for a riot to give people that ability and empower secondaries and decentralize that way. I don't think we know that that AAA games and decentralization are really meshing that much quite yet. As soon as one one or two games, and maybe they do have to come from indie to begin with, but really take off and create an economy that is extensible and has exponentially more opportunity and possibility to expand compared to what a riot could, I think then they either pay attention or they get absorbed. And this is like the classic original definition of disruption. When you come from below, and in a lot of cases, like these games that on some level are actually free, how do you disrupt that? And undercut such a thing, it's actually by, in effect, giving something away or giving ownership away to the user. I think there is definitely possibility there. And unless one of these companies wants to protect themselves from disruption, it maybe is going to have to come from the indie world. And you might even call Riot such think, as that. a game type that started as custom maps on Warcraft 3 became one of the more profitable game companies because Blizzard wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I think that's right on par, Zach. And the other thing is they've got to be willing to do it. They've got to see value in it. But essentially, I'm not even going to say the game that I play because it's probably dumb in, in respect to a lot of the other games that are out there. But there's a game that I play. They have already have these concepts in place, Right. I have the ability to make my own character. I have the ability to change my fiat into their in-game currency. They've developed a marketplace where I can buy additional skins and things from other people who play this game as well, but I'm using their in-game currency. They've already have these concepts at play. And for them, like Scott has mentioned, is there value in decentralizing that in a bit? Of, and like how Zach has said, is there value for them to relinquish ownership over that a bit? Sure, they can still maintain their marketplace. Maybe they start their own marketplace for these blockchain assets and they're charging their fee. And maybe that's how they can see some potential value out of it for them as a company. When we talk about common language, most gamers are already experienced some level of a concept of a digital currency or an in-game currency, their own character, their own playable asset, and then all their in-game assets. And then this is crypto. Essentially, it's just, it's a closed loop ecosystem compared to having it more using the blockchain technology. I look at things from the perspective on, yes, you're right, like Riot Games and all these big companies, they might and they indeed will most likely see a downturn in their revenue in the short term. But at the same time, if you look at the long term, that is going to incentivize more people to jump on board on gaming. They're going to see more value on the video games. For example, how many times did your mom tell you when you were a kid that you were just wasting money and time by playing video games? On that note, how many moms <laughs> will be on boarded on gaming because it might make them a quick buck or it might help them out with whatever expenses. And we might be seeing a world not too far from now where gaming and like gamification dynamics actually take over and that might be an opportunity that the big game companies are missing at least that's my take i'm actually eager to hear jake's take on this because i know he has some wild stuff to say <laughs> are you really buttering me up i completely agree with what people have said and i think 
that the reaction to Web3 being used by major gaming studios was a blunt force instrument for increasing profitability. And so it was inelegant and didn't work well. Do I think that major studios will do this and will it be done? As soon as there is a profitability or a perception of lost profitability, of course they will do it. And what we've seen is when games are successful, especially when we look at computer games, it's when there is an active community, an active marketplace, and the modification element. I'm really interested to hear more about how these devs would be included in independent because that's what I've seen with popularity of computer games, the ability to modify the game and make their own versions. But it is seemingly a walled garden from the actual gaming experience to have it all incorporated under one ecosystem sounds really exciting. Carlos, yeah. Scott, want to take on this one? I, uh, no, I absolutely agree. I was just going to say that I called my mom the other day and I told her, that she should have let me play more video games because I could have sold a golden key for a thousand ETH. And then when I explained how much a thousand ETH was, she, she, I think she cried. But <laughs> no, but I think you're absolutely right. There's got to be the profitability for this, those companies or like we said, was the loss of profitability. If you can disrupt their economy in some way, then you get their attention. And ultimately, if the communities, if the gamers are asking for it, if they're demanding it, then we'll see action a little bit sooner. But they already have giant communities already established. And I think one of the challenges that we have as project teams and building within with blockchain games and things like that is we're up against the giant. We're David versus Goliath. And we need to build up our communities organically, get them to understand what the benefits are of what's being built and grow a community to the point where they can't ignore it anymore. And then they have to acknowledge it and then take some action. And hopefully they'll come to the devs that have been here building for advice, right? I think that's the end game that we might see happen because they're going to need these devs at some point if they do explore this route. I agree. I agree. Scott, what do you want to add? Yeah, I was going to speak to some difficulties on the dev side just in general, and it boils down to interoperability. And one of the hardest things between, say, even company A and company B right now to communicate is not having the right interfaces with each other to leverage each other's assets, right? Or giving up company secrets or whatever it may be, company data, if they are sharing endpoints. And what's baked into the standards of NFTs this interoperability. There is a definition, a spec, a standard for ERC-721, 1155, and whatever may come, that's probably better than what we have now. And that is going to be all these disparate companies are able to communicate and leverage each other's assets. That is secret sauce, at least from the, I guess, the tech side, you could call it. But it's really just this unified standard across industry that will help that happen, that adoption happen. So I just wanted to say that. I think there's some just very interesting propositions, again, with soulbound tokens, account-bound tokens, and things like one idea I had, I don't know if this is crazy, a subscription pass by Riot that gives you access to every single Riot game that they could ever make. And then whenever you play that game, it basically, I don't know, attributes of the game that you've played onto that pass. I don't know. There's this very interesting identity aspects that we haven't even tapped into on the gaming side. So, Ivan's not here, but I'm sure he would have something to say to that. <laughs> Definitely. Unfortunately, he had to hop off because his plane was about to take off. But on that, I really want to use that to reach over to... We're talking about challenges. I want to talk about regulatory challenges of integrating Web3 into gaming. Because yes, we, everything that we're seeing sounds amazing and it really does 
paint a beautiful picture on everyone's mind. But I know we're up against a lot of regulatory, again, I'm sorry to be so redundant, but challenges in regards to NFTs and to cryptocurrencies in general and blockchain. And I'm actually eager to hear your thoughts, Scott, and how have you thought on overcoming those challenges? Yeah, I mean, we have luckily some companies like Yuga who have the money to pay for lawyers and guide the way. Hopefully they do a good job with that. They obviously have other sides, so we'll get a lot of insight. And then we have some use cases that we've seen, for example, Flow Blockchain and Dapper Labs. Or Dapper Labs was, I don't know if they were sued, but they're in a lawsuit, I guess, in relation to their NBA Top Shop moments and whether or not their securities or whatever it is. And I think the judge had ruled that he didn't rule either way yet. But the stance there was since they were on a private block flow at the time is permission was not permissionless. Now they actually have moved to permissionless from my understanding, but back then they were not. And so that centralized aspect of the blockchain was mitigating factor for why that lawsuit couldn't be dropped. So I do think there is a precedence there, at least we'll see what the actual law comes out of that is. But there is a precedence saying almost like if you're on an ETH chain or Bitcoin that's decentralized, maybe you're avoiding the securities look and feel of an NFT. And maybe we'll see what happens with that. I'm definitely paying close attention to it. I'll say that. Yeah, I think everyone is at this moment. I'm actually, I want to see what Carlo has to say about this. What do you think? I'm in the wait and see camp myself. I think that there's just, I don't even think the regulators even know what to do at this point. And the landscape changes every day. But I think the best thing that projects and teams can do is just to be aware, read as much as possible. And if you ever get to the point where you think you might be entering into security territories, definitely get legal counsel, get some, get legal counsel on it. But for me, I come from the DeFi side. If there is an in-game currency, I think as long as it doesn't have a liquidity pool and is solely a utility token for an in-game asset, I think that you're probably going to be okay. Once you start to introduce liquidity pools into the mix, I think it's a very dangerous route to go down, especially if you have a centralized team. That's just one of the things that that I would avoid. And I think that's our mission. We do have an ERC-20 utility token called Credits, but it's solely for gameplay and does not have any retain does not have any value outside of the ecosystem. But yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. But I feel like we're still a couple years away from actually any true legislation when it comes to crypto and NFT regulations. All right. Really appreciate that point of view there. You want to open the floor for any community members who want to come up on stage and ask questions. Feel free. There's a little mic icon in the bottom left corner of your screen. Just tap on it and we'll bring you up. In the meantime, I do have a very good question, I believe, which is where are you putting your money into? If this was a bet, who do you think is going to come up with the most KCAT solution of those big gaming companies for the web space. What do you think? Let's start with you, Carla. Ooh, that is a loaded question. I'm not actually putting my money anywhere, to be honest, except maybe into Brawler Bears and the Plague. But in terms of the, I don't know, I feel like we've had internal conversations in different spaces, Scott, and I really think that if one of the big console companies, like Scott had mentioned, if Sony were to enter the space in a really big way, I feel like that would be where I would put my money. I would put my money on the consoles because they are the entry point for all the other gaming studios. You want to go to the source. They're essentially, they have the ability to create that private chain that or that essentially closed network and have the user base. That's where I put my money on. Potentially PlayStation, Sony, if they're going to do it, that's where I would go. All right. How about you, Scott? If I were a betting man... 
What are the main companies out there? We got Square Enix, we got Ubisoft, Konami. Who else we got? Uh, Konami's building. Act- oh, yeah, I don't think Act- well, Activision. Didn't they say that NFTs were basically garbage? I think. <laughs> like that. I think. I don't think Activision did that. I think Konami is at least launching like an in-game platform for NFTs. Okay, if we look at chance of success, you need to look where the money is. And look, Brawler Bear is a very small project. I can't guarantee success. I can guarantee that we can keep building what we're building. I can't guarantee the world, some of these other companies that have millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to pour into it. If I was a betting man, truthfully, I'd probably put it into one of these big companies, find maybe a product that looks good and just sit it there. As far as right now, though, I think companies like Gabriel Laid, at least Web3 specific, Limit Break and Gabriel Laden stuff with Digidaigaku looks promising, I guess. I haven't seen the game. But at least their community is strong and they're Web3 first and they have a history of success. So I'd probably go there. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably where I'd put my money right now. Not financial advice. Not financial advice. Not financial advice. Buy a bear. (laughs) Financial advice, buy a bear. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right. How about you, Jake? What do you think? This is a tough one. You can't say what Sony and PlayStation, at least with the hiring and some of the patents they've had, it seems like they're trying to position themselves to it. But I think what was said earlier is correct. What will happen is you'll see an indie game get very big, and then it will be whoever adopts it and integrates it into its own studio and puts a ton of money behind it. That will be the one. But what is that game? Axie Infinity. Yeah, would have said that a while ago, but I don't know. But I'm rooting for Mad Droids and Bears. Yeah, I agree. All right. If as for me, my money is on two very controversial ones. The first one being EA Sports. Every single game that EA Sports released, it's a perfect use case for Web3 economies and NFTs and dynamic NFTs. And I can't wait to see the first EA Sports game on the blockchain, or at least using Web3 dynamics and DeFi and all that good stuff. And then when you guys mentioned consoles, it's really interesting I'm not entirely sure if I see them adopting a lot of the technologies. Keep in mind that Microsoft it's, has been very like controversial in regards to blockchain adoption. They're the owners of Xbox. Sony might lead the way. But there's another company that, again, almost every single game that they release, it's a perfect example of Web3 economies. And it's Ubisoft. I believe Ubisoft is going to, if they do it properly, they might actually end up leading the way. Those are my two big bets. I've got to agree with you on EA Sports because the one thing that they've got going for them is licensing and having licensed with the major sporting affiliations. And that's huge. There's just an untapped market there. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great point. If you play, for example, NBA, the 2K23 or NHL games or NFL or FIFA or any game that sports is releasing, like they have very strong in-game economies. And it's very for-profit what they're doing, right? You have to buy tokens to get the best player in order to win the most games, in order to get the best reputation. So it's the use case, the ideal use case for Web3 economies. Go ahead. Yeah, there's something interesting there too, in that the trading card aspect of NFTs is actually probably the most recognizable reason to get NFTs because the digital trading cards, right? That's why I bought NBA Top Shot two years ago and why they got 500,000 users in the course of a month. And obviously they went to the pooper a little bit because of their, (laughs) they didn't really keep the scarcity and demand 
going throughout their ecosystem. But there was something that was very special at that time. If you were around, there was a lot of buzz and they were supposed to build a fantasy game on top of that and maybe build another game called Hardcore. That never happened. On the Spectrum, we have the digital trading card, definitely a Web2 thing people in Web2 can resonate with. And then we have the game. They just haven't merged yet. So I'm interested who creates that first. If it's EA Sports, that would be sick. So I 100% agree with you. That could be the mass adoption play. That could be the trigger. Imagine FIFA, like their card system moving to NFTs. That would be sick. Before I got into like full deep into NFTs and all that stuff, I was super hesitant on buying in-game assets on FIFA. I'm a big FIFA player. And right after I got into NFTs, I started spending money like crazy and buying top players on Cristiano Ronaldo or uh, Lionel Messi and all these good players. And of course, there, there was a, money, a lot of money involved. Thank God my wife is not here. But it's incredible to see how those can actually turn. For example, if I can just use Messi for playing a final and then I sell him and then I can cash it out again. It will be great and it will give it a lot of dynamic to those in-game economies. And I just feel like they're missing out on so much, man. And But at the same time, we idealize so much that it might be a nirvana never to happen, but we'll see. Yeah, there's also some very interesting dynamics when they incorporate marketplaces into things. So one project that I worked on was an NFL entity fantasy game. It predated Rainmakers. If you're familiar with Rainmakers, I built out a system like that. We had him on the that's show uh, yeah, a couple, couple of months ago. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I just wanted to point that yeah, out. Yeah, we met them in New York. I'll say that. But before Rainmakers existed. Yeah, but the marketplace dynamics of things is very interesting. It adds a whole new dimension to gameplay and fantasy. And I actually think that's another avenue that's going to be big upcoming. And I think Rainmakers is definitely leading the way right now with that. They just released like PGA as well. Yeah, if they go into soccer, football, yeah, very interesting future for them. Yeah, definitely. On that note, I believe time is up. So we're going to wrap. Any final comments, any final thoughts? Carlos, Scott, Jake, what do we have to say before we hop off? Let's start with you, Carlo. I will just say this, that we had a really bad storm here right now and the wind just knocked out of our electricity. Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk about Web3 and gaming and really excited to see where the future goes. And I'll be out at Outer Edge in March and looking forward to being a moderator on a panel out there. And Scott and I will be out in New York as well. Really excited to meet with some folks in IRL and talk more. Thank you so much. Let's go. No, you're definitely welcome. It's always good to have people who inspire a good conversation. Now, how about you, Scott? Yeah, same sentiment. Thank you for this space. Definitely enjoyed it. Definitely some sharp minds in here that I wish I had connected to in the past. But now that we've met, thank you once again. All right. Last but not least, what about you, Jake? Just want to say thanks. I don't get enough opportunities to join this space, but it's conversations like this that really make me excited about what's being built and the people that are building it. So really great to meet everyone. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. 
Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white label marketplace, as well as their highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. All right. And from my side, a couple of announcements. Remember, if you are listening to this Twitter space at this very moment and you didn't get a chance to listen to the entirety of this show, remember, you can always listen to the recording. It's going to be available right after I click on that close button. And for the future weeks, we might end up uh, just uploading it into the Edge of NFT podcast network. If you like the content, feel free to share it with your friends, retweet it, mention, just help to get the train going and so on. These series, remember, they happen every Thursday. So turn on notifications to the Outer Edge account and to the HAL account because we overlap one another. And so the next week, we're going to have a very interesting conversation on the latest happenings on Web3 and the most relevant news in the Web3 space, along with some other good folks that are going to be joining us. And just, you don't want to miss it. Turn your notifications on and we'll see you there. For now, that will be all. My name is Daniel Aff. I was joined by Zach Saikar, Jake Meany, Carlo, and Scott from Brawlerverse. And it was a pleasure to host this space for you. Have a good one. And we'll see you at Outer Edge in LA. All right, guys. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. Invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also, look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.